0: My name is Mitjals Bashtiks, and this is a Sketic podcast, where we talk about design and brand building. In this insightful two-part series, we're meeting with David Hooker, brand lead at Printify. In part one of this conversation, we're talking how to build brand story, how to listen to your customers, and how to implement your brand story across the company there are a lot of things when creating an emotional brand attachment of course there's visual identity and graphics and tone of voice but from your point of view what are the main disciplines that makes a brand
1: yeah so i'm the way we do it at printify is is i'm in charge of the brand story that's what we call it right Uh, it has different names in different places but i'm in charge of the brand story And actually, one of the really great things about the way we do it is I have responsibility for that brand story across everything, right? If I feel that that brand story impact, of course, marketing is the team I work with the most often, right? And if you, you know, have look at my meeting schedule, you'll see most of the meetings I have with people in marketing, but I have full uh, authority and autonomy that let's say if i decided that the finance team needed to be brought into uh they don't at the moment but let's say if i decided they did i would bring them in uh that means i have uh you know discretion to find where i need to insert the brand story into what people are doing so we have our teams working away operationally so a social media person is a person i work with a lot but she is delivering on her social media objectives, her, you know, her targets for how many times she's posting on how many channels, uh, what engagement rate she's trying to get. I check in with her to make sure that the stories that she's telling and trying to reach those goals fit with the brand story. Uh, I do the same for the content team, but I do similar things with certain product teams, right? So if the product team is really forward customer facing and they've, they've got a lot of forward facing customer copy, for example, say to them guys before you put that out i want to see it because i want to make sure the language you're using the way you present it the ease of use fits with our broader brand story that brand story i shift and adjust and manipulate that based off of several things firstly and most importantly is what the customers are telling me and i think for anyone who's starting out as a brand leader or if you haven't yet got the money or the confidence to appoint a full-time brand person as a founder or as a leader or as a uh, you know a marketing exec the number one thing you have to do is go talk to your customers you like absolutely must be talking to them all of the time really fortunate at Printify that we have a community that, that we we built so I actually don't always have to go talk to them you just I read, read what they but it's the same thing right well like because when I talk to them I'm not talking they're talking yeah. And I'm, I'm receiving the information what would
0: be like the topics you would personally cover to when you start talking with the audience
1: i want primarily to see and speak to and listen to the customers who are happy right i think speaking to customers who are unhappy that's great for product people right to see what didn't work and what but for me as a brand person I want to speak to the ones who are happy, who get enjoyment and value out of our product. Because a lot of marketing and your brand story stuff is finding that value and then messaging it to people who haven't yet found it, right? So like, let's take Pepsi, right? Great taste, right? So someone at Pepsi has sat down with a customer at some point and the customer goes, I love the taste, right? And they've then gone, okay, well, if you love the taste, Maybe these people over here love the taste, so I'll go tell all of them that the taste is great, and then they'll come and they'll, they'll try that's what you know a lot of what I'm doing. So I try and speak to the ones who are happy, work out while they're happy uh like a hack or a tip that I can give anyone when it comes to writing product marketing uh copy is those uh users I hate using the word users. Like the the customer, like only only the drugs industry calls their calls their customers users. users. So I try not to, to use that word. But those people who are who are doing that uh, and getting value from your product, they will give you your copy. They will say somewhere at some point, like this product changed my life, like or something similar to that, or like uh, more uh, definitive than that, like you know more precise than that. Sorry, it's uh, the wording I should use. So once you've got that, and you know, we were talking just now about uh, being conscious and deliberate about emotions, you've got your answers there, your customers will tell you, I like this product, because it lets me do that. Okay, and it allowing you to do that makes you feel how. So to give you an example from when I was working at a travel perk. uh, It's a business travel uh, product solution, right? So a unicorn now based out of Barcelona, they It's a B2B product, right? Selling business travel. And then basically we were talking to three different personas at once. Uh, The first one was the person who's actually traveling. So the traveler. Uh, The second one is the person in charge of your corporate travel program. And then the third one is typically the CFO or the head of procurement. This one is using the product every day. This one is managing the program that these people are doing. And this person is paying for it, right? Like And then measuring it and manipulating it. We experimented and, you know, and honestly got it wrong quite a lot about which one of these three we should target or do we target all three of them. We worked out that the travel manager was the one that we started to target first. If you go look at their marketing, now they're targeting all three. But we started here in the middle because this person had the biggest emotional problem. Mm-hmm. Right? They were managing travel programs, even at a small company for like 60 people. Like, I don't know if you enjoy booking your travel, but most people hate booking travel, even for themselves. Like, I don't like it. Like, you get, a, you get all this decision paralysis, you know, I oh, have this one or that one's better. Like, especially then if you bring a loved one into the equation. And yeah. Like, yeah. So imagine booking travel for someone that's not you. Then imagine doing it for 50 people. Then imagine that it's not the job you signed up to do, right? The travel program is commonly given to uh the office manager or an intern or like someone who's doing like there is there's no university degree for travel booking right like it doesn't exist so we soon discovered these people have the biggest emotional problem we can target them with our messaging get your life back like no more booking things on a sunday right no more execs shouting at you Uh, no more like people getting lost in places like get your weekends back this kind of things right we got that copy from speaking to them and them telling us, I've lost my weekend. And, and then our happy customers telling you, oh, I used to, like, we had this quote that we put on the website. It was like, I used to, I used to spend uh, 25% of my working week booking travel for other people. Now I get everything done in an hour and a half, right? Perfect. And that's is done. It's yeah. done. Like the emotional connection, it, it's tapped into, it's, it's there. You, you start there. So I know your original question <laughs> was about like what, you know, what people um, should be doing as brand leads and what the role is. My role is to work out what that story, story is yeah. for those people. What our product, how it helps you emotionally and practically. I have to look at the practical value, but you need a good combination of an emotional and practical value delivering those two things. I personally wouldn't go work at a company. That didn't have a good balance of so that. I mean, and that's product market fit. A lot, a, a lot of that. So, what I would say that my role is is to clearly articulate what value that is on emotional and practical level. Mm-hmm. Which one of those are really strong for our market, mm-hmm. right? Which message resonates best, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in, for your travel people, it was get your time back.
0: So how do you test which story resonates better?
1: You're, as a brand lead, your meetings and uh, your relationship with your head of acquisition or your head of digital marketing, whatever you want to call that person is, right? Like I always say that I'm the, I'm the person who lives in like Photoshop and he's the guy who lives in, in spreadsheets, mm-hmm. right? I provide him with like, I think this, you know, they said this, 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 and this. And then he goes, tests it with his Facebook ads and whatever. And he comes back to you with data. he goes, this resonated. This resonated. Look, the click through on this is this. The click through on that is that. Yeah. This one works best. And then he's super happy. Uh, I, I'm saying he because at Printify it's a he, yeah. but it can, you know, uh, he's super happy because he has, you know, his numbers and he has his ads that work. I'm super happy because I know which messages resonate, and then I can, you know, deliver my brand. So what I do once a year to the whole company is say. Look, this is our brand story, informed by these customers, informed by this data, quantitative and qualitative. This is the story. All of you need to know what the story is. I want you to be excited about the story. Anyone who doesn't think it, come talk to me, and we can adjust it. But here it is for the whole company. And then from time to time, I'm going to sit with you and help you in the work that you produce and making sure that you're staying on that story. And also my responsibility is to adapt that story as the market adapts, as people's emotional and practical needs change, as competition bring in whatever it may be, as the product, you know, we've added certain features. So what do we do? It like, so my st- the brand story is not like, it's not like it comes down in tablets and then it's delivered and it's that way forever. It's changing, manipulating like I think a big thing that a lot of marketing and brand people get very concerned about is like going off brand right like it's it's the nightmare he's gone off brand but you have to be careful that your brand adapts right and moves while still
0: staying consistent while
1: still staying consistent and professional I mean a lot of staying on brand is about the appearance of professionalism and trustworthiness right but at some point, you're going to have to adapt your, your brand story. Like there are some brands who are really lucky that they don't have to do that. But most of the time, you're going to have to tweak. Or let's say you're looking to add a new kind of customer in that you haven't had before. You might have to deliver that in a slightly different way. Like At a Printify now, if I look at who's like coming to use us as a product, you've got people who are individuals who are just looking to make some side passive income. But we also have uh, another uh, group of people who who come to us, which is like your content creators. So your Instagram influencers who have a thousand to five hundred thousand followers, right, who want to do merchandise for themselves. A content creator and an individual trying to make a few extra dollars a month have a very different mindset. Mm. I have to find universals in the brand story that apply to both, but also be able to articulate to my team where it changes mm-hmm. right these people in this place we will use this wording or we'll lead with this messaging because we think this is most effective for them these people here will just tweak it ever so, so we say we say true to our central tenements right like uh, one of one of the things for us uh, at Printify is that we're uh, uh we're a platform that delivers financial freedom to you so this belief in financial freedom and that anyone can find their financial freedom that's non-negotiable within our brand story mm-hmm. that is what it is and if you're coming into conflict with any of that that, that i don't care okay, what user group what you like, have yeah. you can't change it so uh last night we had an event right that was an online event that you can attend entirely tally for free and next year we're thinking about doing that event in person so when you take an event from online, it's fairly expensive. When you take it to, to in person, it becomes really expensive. Yeah. We're looking at doing it in the US because that's where uh, most of our users are. Like, uh, So we looked at the data, for example, and like New York City would be a really good option for us in terms of like where our people currently are. Don't know if you've ever done an event in New York City, venue costs, insurance, Not food, the cheapest place. Not the cheapest place, right? So uh, in order to like make it happen like last night after we had our event i'm talking with the senior people like everyone's excited events gone well like things are like what are we going to do next year we have to make it bigger and better and i was like well I, you know we could do this in new york it's like a, it's a thing and they were like ooh it's gonna cost you know could we charge people and i was really quickly and easily able to say to them no we as a company platform and a brand that stands for financial freedom we can't start charging people to come to our event yeah right like maybe we can have an element of it that you pay for maybe like an extra in-depth part maybe yeah but the central event itself we can't say to people we believe in financial freedom forever like we believe that like with zero investment and no risk other than your time you can make yourself a passive income stream. Oh, by the way, give us $150 to like, or like I know some events like, and and this is not a criticism. If you look at what HubSpot do with inbound, it's a fantastic event. But it makes sense for them to be able to charge like a ticket to inbound is over a thousand dollars yeah but it's worth it it's a return on investment it's a platform which literally is built off of return on investment invest in this conference invest in our platform and you'll get the, the money back it makes sense for them to be able to charge It doesn't for us so you have to find those kind of non-negotiable central points of your brand story where you don't move and then the things where you you're willing to adapt based on what are the emotional practical needs for your for your user base
0: you said that you create this brand story you do that once a year for the whole team yeah. how does how can you break it down over the year like so it's not just like once a year you do a journal conference but then how you implement the brand story across the company within a year
1: what what happens at, at any company is each of your departments will have their planning right like let's take acquisition marketing as a as a as a base but it could also be for a product team the same thing would happen they have targets that they want to reach a sales team's another good example right you know we want to hit this target of this many this much traffic to the website these many sales or this whatever whatever it may be i like cuz i sit across kind of everything i look at what their targets are and i look at how the brand story is going to help them hit yeah. their targets so then I'm strategically along you know, with the senior leadership, seeing where I need to insert myself into their processes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So like, there are several teams within Printify that they're using you know, your typical Kanban process for their task management, right? Like things we're going to do, things that we're doing, and things that we've done. And several of them have columns on their Kanban board, which is just called David, Right. It just has at the top of it, David, because I've gone, look, guys, when you do that, I just want to check this. Right. So I'm usually the last column before done. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then they put it in there and I check it like, to make sure it goes okay. on the right. And some things I'm not and some things I'm a really early one, like right? early. Like, so if we do a new product release. Right. So I go to market teams. I'm like, no, I want to be there. Right. I want to help you lay out, choose the messaging. What's the copy we're doing? What are our five leading messages whatever you know the experiment i want to be there but so they all have their one board (laughs) i have like 10 or 11 tabs open and i'm on you know kind of various various different ones so it's kind of beginning of the year or end of the year laying out what it is letting every people people know finding opportunities throughout the year to remind it like uh, for us like the summer event is a is a good place to kind of remind people where it is when you see a project that's succeeded in parts of the work you do like don't be afraid to go and guys you know this is partly you know worked so well because the brand story was yeah. was implemented so well here and like you know from a modesty and like good with working with others point of view you know don't be like look what i made happen be like like you know it's much better to be because the team really took the brand story and ran with it this like this succeeded so you know you can show people that it that it's working but then the other thing for me is i just try to adapt myself into their processes as much as i can and become a trusted part of their process right like the the summer event gets busy for me because i have to go around all of the all of the teams because I have to become like a, a team member or a consultant kind in of multiple for, teams for, multi, for multiple teams in, in multiple different places.
0: How do you balance the, the long term benefits of building a brand and then the short term metrics that some of the teams have to reach? And the, the, the messaging for like performance based marketing is different than if you're trying to do something long term
1: yeah yes so again that's because i've got the the key tenements and the non-negotiables of my of my brand sorted and i know where i can move and adapt on those and give them messaging i can give them short-term messaging that's not going to harm my or even better builds into my long term right so it's I don't look at it as a trade-off mm-hmm. right like short term versus long term it's like short term this is the right message now which feeds into the longer term right it's a journey it's not like a a or a b mm-hmm. so if i'm doing my job properly and i'm bringing you a really effective like good branding is effective now right because you think you, so oh yeah, yeah yeah like if i think also you have to uh, to your point early don't just exclusively think of branding as a visual identity right like mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get into this in a bit, but when you, uh, when you come to upgrading or changing the visual identity and stuff like that, a lot of people in your company will be afraid of that, right? Whether it's um, your your marketing acquisition people, are, you know, people won't like the new look as much. Your engineers are afraid it's because, like, there's all this work on the back end that we have to do and all of this stuff, and is it worth the time investment, right? They, they, but... Visual identity is not hundred percent the brand. Messaging is really easy to change. It's like it's words on a on a copy doc that gets yeah. sent to sent to thing. Individual image changes with an ad are easy to do, right? You, you could end up for a period of time where your brand is a little fragmented. But come on, like if you're starting as the first brand person anyway, like honestly, like when I've joined companies at that point, like the brand's all over the place anyway. Yeah. Right. So if it's all already or already over the place. I think there's a temptation to be, oh, okay, let's, let's bring everything in. and make, like that's kind of all over the place anyway, so let's kind of see which bits of it are working.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so if you've got, you can have effect as a brand person really quickly by improving the copy or by choosing an image that, you know, okay, like you're using cheesy stock images. No one wants to use cheesy stock images, but we can't do anything else other than that right now because that's what we have access to. So, okay, well, actually you can have access to this stuff and it's better, but also I'm gonna pick people who look like this because they look like our customers. Okay, they're not the most incredible images. They're not custom images where you've paid a photographer to go out and take them yet, but this image is better than that image and you can prove your value and your worth like and i think it's actually a thing that's actually if you know you know if you know the customer and you know their emotion and you know that you find it incredibly easy to prove your value on that like uh, landing pages is a place like where i find that it works a lot right the, the there's not a company around that doesn't have an ineffective landing page somewhere within mm-hmm. that you know like there's a there's someone from your content uh your conversion optimization team whatever whoever that person is who's like this landing page should be converting better. I don't understand why it's not. And you, as a brand person, will be able to go, ah, oh, it's because your messaging is not appealing to these people emotionally. Change this to this. Like, I don't need to change the colors. I don't need to change the font type. I don't I'm just going to change the copy across the top of this. We'll run it as an A B test. Look, I was right. Right? Your conversion's gone up because I'm messaging the emotion and you're messaging the feature. Mm-hmm. Right? And the other company over there has the same feature. So I've messaged the emotion rather than that. Your conversion's gone up. And then just watch your equity within the company rise because of, oh, no, no, okay, right, okay. So then when you come to do a bigger project like a visual identity overhaul or rebrand, as everybody likes to call it, right, I I get upset by that word, rebrand, for what I'm doing now because I started rebranding, updating the emotional appeal of what our brand does on day two. Right on. Wow, that's an exaggeration. But on certainly the first two three weeks, all I did was listen to customers. Like, and if you're starting as a brand person or you're looking to improve your brand, spend two three weeks, two three months if you have to, listening to customers, and then start start doing stuff. But like, you're doing stuff immediately. It's and if you're doing it properly, it it will have an effect. And your rebrand started then right like the the moment you start to bring that emotional messaging into your landing page your social media ads your copy your email whatever it may be and it starts having an effect rebrand started too late right don't tell me I can't do a visual identity overhaul later because I've already started it over here honestly it's a conversation I've had where we are at the moment where people say okay David so like when we do this, uh, when we do this rebrand, how are we going to see the impact? Guys, I've been doing it for six months already. All of these things I did here to help your pages move there—it's already started. Yeah, and that's the visual
0: identity, just a yeah, logical. Yeah, it's the last
1: piece in the puzzle. Yeah. It's commonly the last piece in the puzzle because it's operationally the most difficult part of the puzzle, yeah. right? Engineers have to go in and check things and move things, and 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 uh, visual consistencies are much easier to see than uh than a tonal inconsistency. Yeah. Right for I mean for a for a customer coming in Mm -hmm. right and that visual consistency drives our perception of professionalism a lot
0: yeah
1: right like but like if I have a slight tonal inconsistency between one landing page and another commonly a user who doesn't know the whole story of the whole thing is only interested in what they're not going to spot that but they will spot. Oh, why is the font different on this page? Yeah, right? The images are different. The, yeah. this is, so, so, it's an operationally much more difficult task for you as well because you have to police it, you have to work out what the rules for it are. Like, you know, really good quality designers have a lot of rules for things, right? Like, and absolutely they should because knowing where those rules are and aren't is what makes things aesthetically beautiful. So, it's the last piece in the puzzle because it's the most operationally difficult but if you've done all of the other stuff and you've started to implement and started driving value it's it, it becomes essential you ha- you have to do it and i get frustrated when people are just like okay let's measure it then and like guys we've already started measuring it you have to and this this happens a lot with these kind of rebranding projects it's because you're dealing with emotions at some point you, you have to take a leap of faith right it it's i would argue that it's not such a leap of faith because i've already been able to show you how my tone of voice and my copy and my image selection and my small experiments has had an impact mm. right and and with the project we're doing at the moment a lot of i, I you know sit with the senior executive team and gone look i haven't been able to change all of this but i have been able to change this and it worked and if this worked i think this is going to work too and then you you we then both uh, where I am at Printify and Perk, and also at previous companies, was then, okay, let me overhaul the whole page and put it in the new identity and see if that works. And it will because you, you, you know your job, you've, you know the emotions of your customers, you've got talented designers who, who understand the emotional value and can translate emotional value into font choices and color choices and, and you know art direction and all of those things your experimentation broadens a little bit you do a little bit more and then you've got this momentum but you're taking a you're taking a leap of a a little bit of a leap of faith
0: right and people will hate change anyway like when you change something they're used to like the buttons are a certain way the images and then you change it even for the better you will you will still have some resistance when you do a brand overhaul in, in any way
1: especially you'll have one internally because you'll have people who've been working for the company for x period of time love working there are emotionally attached to the company and you come along and go now nah, i want to change all this and they they don't understand why this is their favorite place that they've ever worked and why are you coming in and changing things i like it the way it is yeah the the you'll you'll have some high value users who are the same uh, although like changing your logo typeface color palette art direction etc um even though you've spoken to those high value users to get their emotional response to things their emotional response to what you then produce i find to be kind of honestly less valid because they're emotionally attached to what they already have Mm. Uh, so it's kind of a weird one you kind of you take all of your ideation from what they've said to you Mm -hmm. you create something for the previous version of them right you're you're creating something for the the high value customer back when they were making the decision right they've made that decision now and found their value right and so now they like what they have and they think that this this is good but actually what you're trying to do is like find this person two months, three months, four months, six months earlier, and better message to that person so you have a higher likelihood of them getting to what you have now in a high value customer. Mm. So then I found often when you come back to these people and go, look, based on what you told me, I've made this. And they're like, no, I like what you have. And like the first couple of times it happened, it's like, no, why you shouldn't like, but actually what you need to do is take that thing that you've created with their help to a new group. And, and to give it to these people and see if it's more effective. And then these people will probably complain. In, some of them will, some of them won't. And you kind of just say, yeah, but they'll still use your product if they're getting value from it, right? Like, n- nobody who is enjoying the value of something has ever stopped using that thing because they've changed from black to pink. Yeah. Right? There are other elements of a brand, like... I don't know, the stand that a brand takes on a certain social issue, for example, that mm-hmm. would change you. I think all of us probably now have brands that we'd like, oh I don't you Yeah, there's like a there's a beer company in the UK which is very famous that had um I don't know if I want to say their name out loud, but um a lot of people were into them for a, a long period of time because they had great branding and they did things in a certain way. And then there was a documentary last year on the BBC where it was revealed that their leader was you know not a person I will now not touch that thing yeah. right so I think people will reject companies or products or platforms on the base on the brand for things that like societal issues or your standpoint well, that's or not dating.
0: related to your brand identity yeah it's nothing
1: to do with their colors right like you know I'm not now no longer drinking that beer because because they've got blue right yeah. like you know yeah, people doesn't it matter it yeah.
0: doesn't matter there are a lot of things when creating an emotional attachment to a brand Of course, there's visual identity, graphics and brand tone of voice but from your point of view, what are the main disciplines you're focusing on to create a brand?
1: I, I think again, it relates to your to your customer, your, your user base and what's important to them mm-hmm. right If your brand is you know for like a, I don't know a product for women right You should absolutely be be taking a viewpoint on issues that relate to women, like and that the people within your customer base want you know want these things to happen or want these Mm -hmm. things to not happen, whatever that societal issue you know may be. If it's important to them, it's important to you, and you absolutely should take a stand on it. If it's if it's not important to them you shouldn't get upset about it <laughs> like you, mm. you 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 really shouldn't like so let's look at it for us now at printify one of our key uh messages and tenements of our brand i already said is financial freedom and the ability for anyone to have financial freedom right not just uh people who have you know got the money to take an mba have you know rich parents who've passed money down so, like i don't begrudge those people having financial freedom they absolutely can but i also think financial freedom can belong to the person who uh, hasn't got any kind of secondary tertiary education? Uh, someone who's you know not got a pile of money sat around, willing to invest in something. We believe financial freedom should be available to anyone who has an internet connection and a laptop, right, to use the platform. That that's that's the two things that you need and time, right, which everybody has a differing amount of. So, if there was any societal issue. That, that relates to that, we absolutely should be taking a, a strong point. Any If any government passes any law that makes it any more increasingly difficult for, for someone to do that. Similarly, uh, our leadership team and what we do here within, uh, within Riga and Latvia in the Baltics, we try to do stuff that helps entrepreneurial people out. Uh, James, our co-founder, is trying now as much as he can to give back to the entrepreneurial community within uh, within Latvia because they helped him. So he should. But also because us as a brand, we want to empower entrepreneurs and micro entrepreneurs and individual preneurs or whatever you want to call them. So we should and we are taking a stance on that societal issue, right, The the, the freedom of access to entrepreneurship there are other societal issues which don't relate to that which are not important to our users that we as a brand won't take us like i'll have my individual opinion on yeah other people at the company will have their individual opinion as a group but as we as a company it's not it's not important for us to 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 take a stance on those things Mm -hmm. right Uh, we we take a stance on things you know like uh, happening on our platform if they're illegal right the legal department sit and go you know, this design that the, this person has produced is, is illegal, right? That's, that's a question of legality. Yeah. But like us as a brand, we have to work out what's important to our users and we stand for those things. Uh, it's for, but for us, it's, you know, financial freedom is the, the biggest part of that.
0: That's it for today. And thank you for listening. If you find these topics interesting and valuable, feel free to subscribe to Ascetic Podcast at YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can also write us at hello at and let's build impactful brands together.